T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This out, 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. I'm still kind of worked up. Uh, Dave Simons is coming up here, but I'm still kind of worked up about the the journalism, the so-called journalism piece that I read here at the end of the last hour. Just tweeted that out for people who want to um, read the vomit-inducing dribble. But I want to kind of point this out from a modern-day perspective of how they get this so wrong and why you can't trust the mainstream media. There's no better example right now than what happened with the College Board and Ron DeSantis because they get involved, they see things that parents are upset about in this advanced placement class from the College Board for high school students, and they start thinking, wait, this is not going to meet our standards because it's not just history, African-American history. We're not talking about lynchings and the Tulsa race rot and things like that. We're actually focusing, well, let's let Ron DeSantis kind of talk about what they're focusing in on, and he offered this example. We have guidelines and standards in Florida. Uh, We want education, not indoctrination. This course on black history, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. So I'm sure that the the lefties out there are going to interpret that as, oh, he's just a bigot. He does not like gay people or queer people. But the point, and I think most smart people would understand the point, that that has no place in a high school advanced placement class. You want to teach about queer theory in college where, you know, you're sucking off the taxpayers or you're getting, you know, private education. That's fine. That's fine. But in, in high schools, I don't think so. But you'd think, you would think that what DeSantis is doing based on the hyperbole that's out there in the pundit world, um, the elite media class, that he's shutting down all education of anything that related to blacks that ever happened in this country. That That's, listen, you don't believe me. Governor Sanders has been very, very clear. He has what just appears to be a white nationalist agenda. He's basically sacrificing the education of a whole generation of people. He's trying to. For, for, the, for his ambition. It's never been about this course. The governor was very clear. African-American studies doesn't have educational value. What's going on in Florida now is maybe a peek into a horrifying future. He's now tampering with college education in various colleges, specifically starting with one in Florida. Yeah, well, some of this is focusing on colleges as well, and it should. And here's another reminder about journalism and maybe things we should have known decades ago, because Dan Rather, that idiot, tweeted out this morning, the DeSantis playbook on race and education is just an updated edition of what I saw 
saw in the South in the 1960s. That is so utterly dishonest, ridiculous, embarrassing, Dan Rather. I mean, you've embarrassed yourself so many times. But the, the issue is, is that most people will see Dan Rather, and they won't get another perspective. Something that I offered up, Glenn Lowry is a brilliant member of academia. There, there are still some of those out there that who is African-American and offers an amazing alternative to the white supremacy nonsense that you only hear amongst the left, the anti-racism, right? Glenn Lowry does this on a regular basis. So would you think it would be appropriate because you're telling the truth, right? That's what this guy from Arizona State was trying to argue in the last hour. You're telling the truth. Wouldn't the truth be the perspective of a very important American economist at Brown University that has all kinds of accolades that is willing to push back on the the narrative that's out there, the standard narrative, because he has very legitimate positions that that should be amplified. But he's never quoted in any of these articles about what happened in Memphis or anything. It's just, you know, Sue, you're a fan of Thomas Sowell. Uh There there are there are different perspectives to all of these issues that we talk about. But you, you don't hear them because the editors, the young woke reporters, they omit the information. This is why I don't think there's any it's better. Criminal. Exa- it is criminal. There's no better example than what happened to Kyle Rittenhouse because the country was shocked. The, the CNN viewers were shocked, I say, that Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty by that jury in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Those of us who paid attention from the very moment that he shot those guys knew that he would not be convicted. We knew that because there wasn't a case. It was so obvious. All you had to do was watch the video. All you had to do was put the pieces together. But the legacy media refused to do that. They didn't show that on CBS. They didn't show it on CNN. They didn't write about it in the New York Times. They wrote about how he was a white supremacist who, who came up from Illinois, who just wanted to cause trouble, right? Shouldn't have been there in the first place. And then the whole country is shocked because journalism didn't do its flipping job. Unbelievable. Yep. Right. Sorry, I got worked up on this stuff. I'll have to dial it down. Here. Oh, Will Sharp is coming up with, um, well, he used to work in the Greitens administration. He is a new Republican candidate for attorney general. That's a very short window because Andrew Bailey, who was on the show last week, is the current AG appointed by Governor Parson because Eric Schmidt is now in Washington. So this is kind of like a, a bit of a, you know, complicated political situation. But Will's going to join us in just a few minutes. Uh, I believe the market might have been up a little bit today, which is good news. This all relates to what's happening in the economy, inflation, the debt ceiling. Dave Simons is with us, the host of the Dollars and Cents show over on KMOX Down the Hall, certified financial planner, senior vice president of investments at UBS Financial Services. David, how are you this afternoon? I'm well. Thanks, Mark. I usually touch base when things are are pretty bad, of course, on Wall Street. I don't think today has been super bad. In fact, did I see the Nasdaq had a pretty good day? Yeah, you know, this is all related to Fed Chairman Jay Powell and what the Fed did yesterday, raising rates just a quarter of 1%, what we call 25 basis points. And, Mark, that was baked in. I mean, there was no surprise there. I guess the surprise that I have is what you just alluded to, and that is the really positive rebound, particularly in the high-growth NASDAQ area. It it was almost like maybe they were expecting Powell to be more draconian in a way in his rhetoric and and maybe to hear that he still was going to raise rates to kingdom come and we didn't get that. And, And nothing that really Powell said surprised me, but maybe there was a lot more trepidation going in, and and so we're getting this relief rally. So can you make the case, or I suppose can some people make the case that this is working right now when it comes to keeping inflation lower? 
Mark, you just hit on a really interesting point, and it's a conversation that I've been having with a lot of people lately. The, the, the general consensus, one of the most overwhelming consensus points that I've ever seen in my career is the fact that, well, we're going to go into a recession. It's inevitable. All the historical data points in that direction. Yeah, maybe. In fact, I've been on the bandwagon to say perhaps a mild recession. But what if we don't? What if somehow the history books look back and say, wow, somehow Powell and company pulled this off and they were able to slowly and incrementally rate, not so slowly, actually uh, pretty aggressively in 2022, but got got rates up quickly, choked off inflation post pandemic. We were able to kind of slide into an economic slowdown, but just right where we didn't kill the economy and the markets responded favorably. That is not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, I guess it isn't because you're seeing the year-to-year numbers are are somewhat encouraging right now when it comes to inflation, right? So I, I just put together some stats. I went back to 1950. Now, this is really interesting. I, I'm such a stat nerd here. But since 1950, so we're talking obviously over 70 years, 31 times the stock market was positive in both what's called the Santa Claus rally, which is always the week between Christmas and the first two days of the new year. So you're talking usually about seven or eight trading days. When you've had a market that's positive in the Santa Claus rally and positive for the first full month of January, 28 out of 30 times, the market ended up positive for the year. And the average gain is 21%. And Mark, the only two times that the market was down, it was only down single digits. So I know that doesn't guarantee 100% will be up and up you know, double digits. But history is very kind to when the market gets off to a big start like this. That's I, I don't think I've ever heard the Santa Claus rally. And if I had, I don't remember, um, you know, you talking about it, but that's interesting. Yeah, the Santa Claus rally doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's something that, again, nerd, geeky people like me pay attention to because historically the Santa Claus rally can really start things off on a, on a good footing for the new year. Um, and, you know, not bad. Out of 73 years, it's, it's been up 31 times, so a little less than 50%. But when the, with, then when you combine it for the full January that's up, man, oh, man, do you set the stage typically for a good rally. So it gets back to what you were saying, Mark. Maybe somehow Jay Powell will look like somewhat of a genius. I, I'm not going that far yet. But it's something that I'm willing to at least say is a possibility. Interesting. Dave Simons, host of the Dollars and Cents show on KMOX, certified financial planner and senior vice president of investments at UBS Financial Services. Help me with this one, because this one, I saw this on the New York Times site earlier today, Dave, and it makes my brain hurt. And I'm hoping that you can explain it to me. This is what it says. Um, The debt limit standoff between Republicans and Democrats has elevated questions about creative solutions for averting a crisis, including one that at first blush might seem unthinkable. Could minting a one trillion dollar platinum coin make the whole problem go away? The next line is what was once a fringe idea is now being presented to top economic policymakers as a serious remedy. What? Have you heard that? Do you know that background? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Mark, that's been suggested, gosh, for for decades. It wasn't, you know, it started out as a billion dollar coin and then a hundred billion and now it's a trillion because, you know, the 
the deficit keeps getting bigger. And it's basically just the idea that we would have this open-ended cash reserve that we could always go to. But dismiss it. It's not going to fly. It will never happen. Uh, but it's something that gets the clickbait going. Why, why would it even, th- this is where I'm struggling because I'm not very smart. Why would that potentially, for the people who think it's a good idea, what, what's the argument in favor of it? Because I don't understand how well, that would avoid, you know, still spiking inflation. You're just creating more money, right? You're just printing it in the form of a coin or what am I missing? No, no, you're not missing anything. And that, that's the issue. It, it goes back to something else, Mark, that was discussed. It's somewhat related here. And that is, look, when interest rates were back down next to zero, why don't we just issue 100-year bonds for the government? Why do these five-year, 10-year, 30-year? Let the government lock in uh, paying interest on bonds for like a half of 1% or 1% for 100 years. And and that seems somewhat plausible. Other countries have done 50 years, but it, it, it just wasn't going to make sense longer term. This one is really pie in the sky. Just to dumb it down, Mark, basically all it does is it's creating an open-ended bank for the Fed to be able to tap because it's got this trillion-dollar coin, and you would create more of them. It's, just, it's not just one. It's almost like saying, why do we even have pennies anymore? I mean, it might have made sense 50 years ago. Heck, we don't even use nickels. Why, why don't we have now established the $10,000 bill, which they you know, stopped many years ago? It's the same thing with this. Why, why don't we have a trillion-dollar coin? You and I would have no use for it, but the Fed would. Well, I don't know, though. Fred, Fred, so Fred came up with a good idea, Dave. He's a thinking. I, I was going to steal this, but I have to give credit where credit is due because if I had one of those, I'd put it in a vending machine, see if I can get the change back, you know? <laughs> Man, I tell you, Fred is a genius. Get him on the air. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so on the debt ceiling, though, what what are your anticipations? There? Look, I'm someone who philosophically believes the government spends way too much money, and that's part of the problem, and it's been that way. No and look, question. I'm willing to share the blame between Republicans and Democrats. The fact of the matter is now the Democrats are in control. So we have this fight. You and I, I'm sure, have talked about the debt ceiling. We're not going to default. I mean, I think we should come to terms with that. But why is it unrealistic to have some negotiation when it comes to, you know, less spending. It's not. It's not unrealistic. Here's what I've been telling people on this issue. In 2023, to me, there are only two important issues that will drive the market. Number one, we've just been talking about it, inflation and the Fed's attempt to bring it under control. Okay. The second is this thing on the debt ceiling, because we have gone to the 11th hour before That was back in 2011 when they started shutting down a lot of government programs and national parks, and the market actually fell 19%. Oh, my gosh, are we going to default? You may recall back then S&P actually downgraded our debt from AAA, first and only time that's ever happened. Well, will that happen again? Because if it does, this whole notion that we might be in a bull market for stocks will be gone. This market will go back into bear market territory. You cannot mess with the full faith and credit of the U.S. government and and the ability that we have to finance our operations. We are the safe haven of the world, absolutely. Foreign investors come to us. If they see us as nothing more than kind of a third world country again, and we lose our status, we are in big trouble. Now, that's not my base case. We're not going to do that. But we could see it go over the edge a little bit because you do have a – not to get too political here. I'll let you do this. But <laughs> there, there, there is a small group of Republicans who are willing to let this thing fall off a cliff. That They've said it. They've said 
I don't care if, if we default, if that's what it takes. Now, are there enough of those people? Will they be talked to to maybe bring them in or rein them in? I think so. But I don't think I don't know that this will be settled before we get to the 11th hour again. So we're watching it carefully. Yeah, I mean, I think my my response there would be, look, this pattern is pretty clear. We get all this, um, you know, doom and gloom. I guess I would use this example. This president voted against raising the debt ceiling. Right. So some people take their stands on this issue, but we don't default. Right. Well, absolutely. And and and, and st- keeping on the political side of things like this, the Democrats, they know what they're doing here because they know how this thing will be spun to the very end. If the Republicans take us right to the very end of this before negotiations get serious and we start closing national parks and and people aren't getting paid and and then all the fear mongering will start and the market will start to settle back down and S&P will start rattling the saber again how they might have to downgrade our debt. Well, guess who's going to get blamed? It's not the Democrats, and they know it, and they'll just sit back and say, yeah, the Republicans, we know that there's an election uh, in, a, in, in a year and a half or so, at the, what will be at that time, and we're going to let them take the blame on that. They are in ultimately some control here, and they're going to have to have the Republicans come to them more than the other side. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but that's just the political reality of it. Let me Before I let you go, let me just ask one question, going back to Jay Powell and the Fed and what your expectations might be. Because as I was kind of chatting here, I pulled up a piece where there is at least one group out there predicting, look, they say maybe there's going to be more you know, incremental rate hikes, but maybe by the end of the year, they start cutting rates again. You think that's a possibility at this point? Yeah, that's another great point because that's baked into what the market is expecting. I'm going to take Jay Powell at his word yesterday, um, and that is he would rather err on the site of raising rates too much because he feels they can quickly cut rates if they have to, as opposed to stopping now. So here's my base case, although, man, I don't have a lot of confidence in this because there are so many moving parts, but my base case right now is he will, they will likely raise rates maybe one more time in March, another quarter of a percent or so, then they'll stop. At this point, I don't think they'll start cutting rates by the end of the year. They will at some point. I'm pushing that to 2024. I think the market will be okay with that. And outside of any major issue regarding this whole debt limit ceiling debate, Outside of any problems there, I do expect the market to post positive gains for the year. Let's hope so. Let's hope so, Dave Simons. Always great to have you on here on 97.1 FM Talk. I appreciate it. You have a great rest of your week and a great weekend as well. Thanks, Mark. You do the same. Appreciate it. I do like the optimism from Dave. We don't always get that, so we'll take it when we can. 524, Will Scharf, who is in the race for Attorney General of Missouri, is going to join us next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did oh have i got a great story for everyone to share here in just a few minutes because channel five and christine byers has just uh, broken this story i guess in their five o'clock news just briefly here, we have Will Sharp coming up. I think he's going to find this interesting as well. He's running for attorney general. So there's a guy, Brandon Bosley. Bosley is a very uh, famous name in St. Louis politics, I would say. Um, he is an alderman in the city of St. Louis currently. And right before Christmas, so I don't know if you remember, we talked about this a little bit on the roundtable after the first of the year. He claimed that a woman tried to carjack him on December 22nd. I do remember that. Yeah. So... Um, and there's now, video, or that is that part of it? I well, remember something. So what about happened that. is, is he goes on Facebook and he starts doing a. I think it may have even been a Facebook live, mm. and he's recording what he says happened in the immediate aftermath. So his claim is, there's a woman who pulled a gun, tried to carjack me. So he turns around, he's doing the Facebook thing with his phone, he's yelling at the window, all kind, uh, you know, profanity. We just watched it, so yeah. we just watched it. And then he comes up to her, and he's got a gun. He clearly has a gun, and she's lying in the street in the. No. He doesn't even say anything, and he's, no. and he's yelling at her. Well, so his story was, now, if you believe his story, well, that's a carjacker. Why would you have empathy for that person? Here's the story that just broke. Alderman Brandon Bosley claimed a woman tried to carjack him December 22nd. Police reports show investigators now believe he should be charged with a crime. Police say an alderman struck a woman with his car moments before he went on the social media rant accusing her of trying to carjack him, according to the reports obtained by Five on Your Site. Christine Byers is—actually, she's one of the few people, I think, in the city that is a journalist. She did great work at The Post, and she does actual reporting at the you know at KSDK right now. Um, St. Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner's office has declined to file charges against Brandon Bosley, citing lack of evidence. That's what they say every damn time. So we just had three members of the Board of Aldermen go to federal prison. We got liars and thieves amongst them everywhere. It's unbelievable. And now she's not even going to charge him. Because Mm-mm. he covered his tracks, I guess, right? Uh, it's it's you really think, frustrating. Here, let me ask you this question. You think our friend Jane is going to be fired up on this tomorrow? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, and she'll have information that yes, we yes. need so, to fill in the blanks. A good preview for the roundtable tomorrow. Jane will be here, former State Senator Jeff Smith and Chris Goodson, all on the panel. Chris used to be, you know, he was the uh, the chair of the police commission. So mm. he, he knows crime and he knows all these players very well. All right, we have uh, Andrew Bailey as the new attorney general replacing per gubernatorial appointment. I hate that word, gubernatorial. I like to just kind of throw it in there because nobody really says, no real people say that (laughs) word. Uh, Governor uh, Parson appointed Andrew Bailey to that position because Eric Schmidt, who was in the position, who was also appointed to that position because he was state uh, treasurer, right? Oh, I I didn't realize he was appointed to that. What was he? Was he state? I don't know. It was one of those things. But yeah, no, he was appointed as well. Hmm. And then he goes to Washington as a United States senator. Will Scharf is with us, and he's going to correct any of the errors that I just made here in the last 60 seconds. He was a policy director for former Governor Greitens, but he's announced that he is in the race for the Republican nomination next year for Missouri Attorney General. Will, how are you? Welcome to the show. 
Doing great. That was quite an intro. I mean, this uh, this carjacking story is a, a, a fascinating one. And, wow. And as as you said, I mean, that Board of Aldermen has some characters. My former office, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office here in the Eastern District of Missouri, busted three of them on public corruption charges just this past year. Now we've got, you know, this guy. And, and part of what makes the story so crazy is that carjackings have become so common in this region that, you know, an accusation like that at, at first glance mm-hmm. uh, is believable. And, uh, and yeah, just a, a crazy story. Well, we'll see where that takes us. I'm, I'm very curious. All right, let's find out a little bit about Will Scharf. Give me some bio information. We do not know each other. Um, I don't even know if we've ever met. Have we ever met, Will? Maybe we have. Uh, we, we've probably met in passing. Yeah. We obviously have some, uh, some good mutual friends. Um, I, I spent the last uh, roughly two and a half years as a, as a violent crime prosecutor here in St. Louis. Uh, before that, I was uh, I, I worked to confirm President Trump's judicial nominees in Washington D.C., including uh, Justices Brett Kavanaugh and, and Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, before that, as you said, I was uh, I was policy director to, to Governor Greitens. Before that, I, I worked campaigns out here in Missouri. I was uh, you know working with Republican grassroots and conservative organizers, uh, and that's uh, that's really my story. When when it comes to, I mean, this is a very important position. I would say that there are a few others, uh, statewide positions that maybe don't have the weights at the attorney general's office, but a really important position, obviously. And you you have the background to to meet this. But why why do you want to do it, and why do you want to be in government? You know, I I, I think the the real uh, the real motivation for me is is this. Uh, and I talked about this, you know, we announced on Tuesday night and I talked about this in my in my speech uh, at our uh, at our launch party um, year after year and election after election. Uh, we've entrusted our state government to really the same set of special interests and political insiders and lobbyists. And year after year, uh, we've gotten we've gotten the same results, which are which are not great. Uh, we've got a crime problem in our cities. We have jobs and businesses fleeing. Uh, we have issues with our schools. Uh, and unless we unless we break that mold, unless we change things up, I think we're going to continue to get more of the same. And to, to me, that's unacceptable. So I'm, I've never run for office before. Uh, I'm a I'm a prosecutor. Uh, I've, I've put constitutional conservatives on the Supreme Court. I've been a conservative activist. Uh, and I'm looking to go to Jeff City to, to really uh, to mix things up. Were, were you someone, because obviously there were options for Governor Parson, there were names, there's always going to be lobbying involved, but were you someone that was in the mix to be appointed to this position and then was passed over by Governor Parson? For someone who worked in his administration, Andrew Bailey was tight with the governor, but was your name considered in your opinion or not? Um, I know that I was mentioned in, in some press reports. I think friends of mine may have you know, suggested me to the governor. Uh, I, I wasn't interviewed by the governor. I haven't spoken to Governor Parson about it. Um, but to me, uh, Governor Parson's had his say. Uh, and in 2024, the, the people of Missouri are going to are going to have theirs. And we're just really excited to be able to present a conservative contrast uh, to the kind of government and the kind of leadership uh, that I think Missourians are just fed up with. Uh, that we've been getting out of Jefferson City. Obviously, you're maybe going to face multiple candidates, but Andrew Bailey is going to run as well, we find out. He is the current attorney general. I met him last week. Do you have an issue with Andrew Bailey in particular? Look, it, 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 Andrew and I worked together in the Greitens administration. Uh, I've known him for a while. Uh, I think he's spent his, his legal career uh, in Jefferson City, mostly in Jefferson City. I think he very much represents the Jefferson City establishment. 
and, and we're going to present a contrast to that. What What do you think? Um, I guess this race, these things get ugly sometimes, Will, as you know. But what do you think the race then will focus on as we get into it eventually? What What we're hoping to focus on is uh, is exactly what what I said. Um, are the people of Missouri happy with the leadership they've been getting out of Jefferson City, or do they think it's time for a change? And if they if if you're a voter who thinks that Jefferson City is the kind of place where you know they're really getting a lot of good stuff done, uh, chances are you're not gonna you're not gonna gravitate towards me. Uh, but if you're the kind of voter who'd pre- prefer a conservative outsider, uh, somebody from outside that mold, somebody who's not gonna represent the special interests and the the traditional constituencies in the capital, uh, then I think our campaign is going to have a lot to offer you and and we should talk. You know, I've already seen this out there and I don't know how much it'll happen with with Republicans leading up to a primary. Politics gets nasty. Certainly, if you emerge as the general election candidate, there's going to be discussion about this in the media. But they want to tag you with this thing that you worked with Greitens, right? That that's somehow that is a negative thing for you. How do you handle that? Look, I was uh, Governor Greitens gave me a great opportunity to serve the people of Missouri. Uh, we got a lot of good conservative policy done during the year and a half that I worked with him. Uh, and my hope is that after the 2024 elections, I'll have another opportunity to serve the people of Missouri and get good conservative stuff done. Well, I, I wish you luck. I know that one, one person who reached out to me today was former Senator Lamping. John and I are very tight. We have been for a while, ever since he was elected to the uh, to the Senate. He says that he's a big Will Sharp fan endorsing you, and he doesn't do that all the time. So I thought that was interesting. He's been a, he's been a friend of mine for a long time, and I think John and I really see uh, Jefferson City in the same light, which is that it's a city that's for, for far too long has just been controlled by this very narrow set of special interests. And until we until we break that cycle, uh, I don't think Missourians are going to get better government and we need better government. Well, Will, I wish you luck. I know that this is still a ways off with 2024. There's all kinds of fundraising and things like that. Love to get you in on the roundtable, mix it up a little bit. So good luck. Keep us posted on the campaign moving forward, because this will be one of the races to watch, certainly into 2024. Will do. Really appreciate you having me on. And you can find us at uh, com and find me on Twitter at Will Sharp. Thank you, Will. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. I don't know. I really don't know either of the uh, attorney general candidates. I like Will, what I know about him. I certainly take John's word uh, because Senator Lamping and I oh, yeah. usually are on, on board. And it was actually it was I'll just take credit for this because it's true. But I introduced it was Lamping was introduced to Greitens by me because I thought he was someone that was sharp when I met with Eric. Uh, I'll never forget this. It was dinner at the house where apparently the uh, gym equipment was <laughs> when he said I'm running for governor. And that's where I said, and he just was, we were friends because I'd worked with the mission continues. And I said, we well, got to meet this guy, John Lamping, because I think he could help you uh, significantly. And I'm guessing that's where um, we will met John as well. But I do think, you know, John and I don't always agree. He might be listening right now on things. We, we tend to have different perspectives on I guess I would say nuanced perspectives on a variety of issues. Okay. But for the most part, it's not like we're, you know, on opposite ends of the spectrum. We do have subtle differences, but I do trust his um, his conservative instincts. I can put it that way. That's fair. Well, I will say this. You know, when Senator Lamping was one that told me over and over again in 2016 that Trump was going to win, and I was one that told him over and over again because I thought the electoral math did not add up. No, John, you're wrong. Uh, you got the better of me on that one. A lot to squeeze in here in just about 10 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. And there's more 
corruption in government in the city of St. Louis, which is not really a shocker. No. You'd think that that would be breaking news, but it's not. It's like the same old thing over and over. I have an audio cut of the day. I have some. Uh, my audio cut of the day is going to be a fun one, right? I love and that. It is going to be baseball meeting lingerie. You're, you're going to be your mind is going to be blown if you <laughs> I, haven't heard this, I, right? What? You, yes. I know, but I'm telling you, it is. But I have some good political stuff. But first and foremost, so uh, this was shared a little while ago. I think they ran with it at five o'clock on Channel Five, right? Christine Byers, former St. Louis Post Dispatch reporter. I don't know Christine, but I do know that she seems to be the only person that actually does actual journalism in this city. Mm. Well, one of the few. I shouldn't say the only That's person. It. Yeah, one but of the she few. does a good job. She did a good job at the Post as well. Old school reporter, right? She's not new school woke. At least I don't think she is. But listen to this. This is about Alderman Brandon Bosley, who three days before Christmas claimed, he went on Facebook, he made this claim in video, shows the woman on the ground, that... A woman tried to carjack him, and then he flipped around, he turned around, and he starts confronting the woman. But maybe the story is a little different than we were led to believe in the first place. <laughs> I tried to start it. Let me try that again. Ready? Here we go. Yeah. Anka Robinson was deemed so dangerous that Kim Gardner's office recommended she be held without bail. Seven days later, without explanation, Gardner's office dropped the charges against her, and she walked out of jail. It all began when Alderman Bosley posted this video to Facebook, saying Robinson tried to carjack him at gunpoint. Gardner's office then charged her with two felonies, including armed criminal action and robbery. She sat in jail for seven days. Alderman Brandon Bosley confirmed to Five on Your Side police interviewed him for hours Thursday, saying his story wasn't matching up with their video evidence. All right, so we up to speed at this point. He, he claims that she tried to carjack him, so she's charged. She's held for seven days yeah. in jail. Kim Gardner's office, they put the hammer down because you know what they are? They're tough on criminals. They're just not tough on the right criminals. He did not return my phone calls or text messages today. That same night, Robinson was released from jail and court documents show Gardner's office dropped the charges Friday. We spoke to Bianca Robinson's mother that same day. Uh, the, the comment from the mother doesn't really relate here and it no. doesn't really make any sense. No. So I'm going to skip that at this point. So people are saying, well, what happened here? What did happen here? I think what happened, I think the, the allegation would be, and Gardner's not filing charges right now, you would hope that there's some evidence that if police actually did their job here, which it sounds like they may have, maybe they'll charge him with a crime. But here's what we think happened, okay? He may have allegedly, I have to be careful with my wording here, hit the woman because perhaps he was intoxicated or something along those and lines. And you mean hit in a car, right? Hit her with his vehicle. car because he was in his vehicle. Mm-hmm. Because when you see him flip around and his car goes back on the Facebook video, you see her on the ground. She's not even saying anything. He's saying, you know, F this, F that. What are you doing? Do you have a gun? Do you have a gun? He says, do you have a gun? He starts ripping her for, for being a criminal, right? Mm-hmm. And then he gets out of the car. You can see at a point where you look down at the ground, it's snowing. That he's carrying. He's Yeah, he's got a gun. And the thing that makes us think this is possible is that it was snowing, so you could see tire tracks. In other words, they could have gone to the scene and and, and figured out that he did turn around. I mean, how else do they know that? Well, either that or, you know, the woman said, look, I didn't do anything. He hit me. I was just walking down the street, and the police decided to look into that and say, okay, maybe there's something, you know, to this story. But the bottom line at this point is 
the video, they say, and I, I haven't seen this, the headline of the Channel 5 story is surveillance video shows St. Louis alderman struck woman with his car, charges not issued. Now, in Christine's story, did you hear her say that? No. That the video shows that? No, because it doesn't. Or not the one <laughs> well, we, not we the watched. one that we have. But they cite surveillance video. So if this is on video somewhere, um, Bosley told the I-team any claims that he struck the woman are 100% false. He's prepared to sue anyone who claims otherwise. Well, Brandon, let me give you my attorney's name because I think that there's more to this story at this point. If you want, bring the lawsuit on. We'll see what the truth is. We'll invite, we'll invite Brandon to come on the roundtable tomorrow and see if he can defend himself because this is a gem of a story, really, when you think about it. Yeah, and it's whole, crazy. You know, and, and this, this, I think the one thing that should jump out to people right now in this particular case is these damn aldermen deserve a raise, Sue. I mean, thank God they've doubled their salary in that meeting on Friday because if Brandon Bosley doesn't prove the hard work that the public sir, if Lewis Reed and you know Jeffrey Boyd and John Collins Muhammad don't don't prove to people in this region in this city that they're just working for the taxpayers, they're they're making sacrifices for the people because they believe in their civic duty. That's what they do here in St. Louis. It's a joke. <sighs> they're all, I mean, I, I wish I could say that the Republicans were any better. Uh, most cases, they're not, unfortunately. Some of these elected officials, sorry, my GOP brethren and sisters, but it's, it's disgusting what it these is. public it officials is. do. It is. Here's some disgusting stuff. Let me get to national disgust here with uh, poor AOC, okay? And I would usually use this as audio cut of the day. She threw a tantrum today because McCarthy kicked off Tlaib, or I'm sorry, Omar, from the Intel Committee. So AOC goes on the floor and she's like, oh. Don't tell me that this is about an abdic- a, a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. She's talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene, just to be clear. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. But there is a pretty good reason to keep her off that committee. Kevin McCarthy explains. Based upon what she had said, the anti-Semitic comments, it's all about the Benjamins. The military in America is equal to Hamas and the Taliban. On 9-11, something happened that day. Even the former Democratic chair of the committee believed her comments were wrong. When a um, resolution was brought up to deal with this last time, she never apologized. They changed the resolution to say anti-Semitism is wrong. We're not removing her from other committees. That's an important point. We just do not believe when it comes to foreign affairs, especially the responsibility of that position around the world with the comments that you make. Yeah. She shouldn't serve there. Yeah, she shouldn't. It makes sense. So you have Rashida Tlaib from Michigan. Oh, she's crying today. They introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. Well, no, it's not, because she hates America. She's said many times things that are anti-Semitic, and she doesn't belong on this particular committee. Even though she hates the country, and we know that, Rashida Tlaib, like you do, Kevin McCarthy is still going to allow her on other, you know, committees on Capitol Hill. So she's not being removed from everything. You are showing who you all are, really. The gentlewoman's time has expired. I will not be silent. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Congresswoman Omar, 
the gentleman's so time sorry, has expired. That our country so is sorry, sis. Sis. Oh, so sorry, sis, that you hate America so much that you were removed from the Intel Committee. That's basically it. So let's do this here tonight because I got a good one. I'm promised. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. All right. Do you ever watch uh, Jimmy Fallon? No, I haven't in a long time. I haven't done it in a long time either, but he does kind of a fun bit where you have to tell, I forget what they call this exactly, is the guest telling the truth or are they not telling the truth? So Derek Jeter was on last night. I once wore a thong in public in front of thousands of people. You're Derek Jeter. Yeah. We would have known. But I'm sure you have, like, a really well-sculpted bottom. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Were you so... talking to me or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you. Thank you. Wait, wait, what do you get? Thousands, thousands, where, where were there thousands of people? All right, that is, by the way, that is Rita Ora, who's a singer, who's the other person with Jimmy Fallon, trying to determine whether or not Derek Jeter did, in fact, wear <laughs> a thong. In, okay. in New York. Yeah, in New York. Yes. Were you were you wearing it? Were you wearing the thong where one would wear a thong? <laughs> where else would you wear a thong? I don't know. But Good I, question. I, I maybe like it was a weird I, trick I, question. I, I, I wore it where one would wear a thong. Yes. So, do you wear underwear? <laughs> oh, I do. In general. Good question. I do. Okay, so you've never gone Obviously. like. Obviously. You have your own line of uh, underwear, don't you? Athletic. Athletic, yeah. But these weren't your these. Was it your thong? <laughs> no, it, it, was, it, was, it was not my wow. thong. It was not my thong. It was not your thong? And you, what, did you have anything else on? I don't believe him. I don't believe him. Do you have anything, did you have anything else on? I did. So now we pick, right? We choose. Yeah, we decide. I say. I say no. I say lie. I say lie. It is the truth. <sighs> what? And he explains. Okay, to good. I'm going to. Let me see. I'm going to ultimately regret playing this game. But yeah. let, let me let me explain. Zephyr, please. Let me explain shortly. I, I had a new teammate that I played with in 2002. Jason Giambi. A gold thong hanging from his locker, and he told me, anytime you struggle, you wear the gold thong. You're guaranteed to get a hit. Now I thought the guy was crazy. So in 2004, I went through the worst offensive stretch of my career. Okay. And every day I'd walk in, he'd point at the thong. So, so finally, I, I wore the thong. Now, it wasn't thong the skin. I had shorts on underneath, so I put the thong over the shorts. First pitch, home run. Oh, oh my God! That's incredible! That is true. The golden thong! Yes. Wow, I can't believe that's real. The golden thong, he was 0 for 32 before he caved. Giambi talked about this, I guess, in 2015. Jason Giambi said the golden thong is legendary. It's never not gotten a hit. It was his first slump. I don't think the guy's ever slumped in his career. He's unbelievable, you know. The gold thong, he had to get it out. There you go. That's a magical baseball story. And I give Derek Jeter credit for even telling that story on national TV. But me too. We'll see you tomorrow at the Roundtable at 3. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Thank you.